Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 87, and my name is Delta, and I'll be your host today, along with my lovely, blah, 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 I feel like I can't talk, lovely yellow wife and, pl- uh, <laughs> yellow wife, my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. <laughs> you shouldn't have had that truly before we recorded. <laughs> I had two trulys before we recorded, because oh, I was God. like, you know, let's have a nice buzz going for the podcast this time. Because we had a wonky talk day, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that we did. I woke up late, looked at my camera, and noticed that our motion sensor in the backyard said, hey, there's motion out here. Someone's walking around. And I said, the shit's going on. So I look, and Haley's moving around. And again, what the shit's going on? I go outside, and Haley's been moving all the rocks from around the fish pond, which means we're finally getting rid of this stupid fish pond. It took me Three hours of moving rocks. I didn't even touch my coffee, guys. I did this on one sip of coffee. I spent three hours moving rocks and pavers from one side of the yard to the other to dismantle that fish tank, and I did a good job. She did a very good job. The only bad part about it is it allowed me to realize our spigot was dripping, which then led to me trying to close the spigot, which led to the spigot not closing, which one thing after another led to the copper pipe leading to the spigot to burst and shoot water between cracks in the bricks. It was so surreal. It was like a cartoon. Delton turns the water back on after he uh, tries to put a stopper on the spigot and is like, out of one brick, out of another, out of another brick. And I'm just like screaming, running at Delton in my jammies across the yard because like I didn't, I didn't even get out of my jammies. I just went straight from jammies to straight from bed to moving bricks and moving pavers, moving rocks. I'm yelling at Delton, turn off the water. He goes, why? Turn off the water. Like, there is no time to waste. Turn off the water. And of course, he's like, why? Just turn it off. Just turn it off. Just do it. Go, go, go. It's coming out of the bricks. Well, let me see. No. And so while he's like coming back across the yard because he has to look at the water coming out of the bricks, in the meantime, the board game room is filling with water from the closet. Okay, it's not <laughs> filling with water. It, okay, so... There was a, a little bit of it came into the uh, the yes. floor of the closet here in the board game room. But thankfully, the wall that got wet and like the floor that got wet was not the floor or the wall with the board games. It Correct. Had less important stuff like tax documents. And it was a total of like 12 to 15 seconds tops that it was actually running at that rate. Would have been like seven to eight if you would have listened. Just turned off the water, Damn it. It's okay. And then on anyway. top of all that, we also found a Dave & Buster's gift card. So there is a silver lining to this story in moving all of the tax documents and shit to get in and, like, clean the wall and, like, put, uh, you know, what it fans in front of the wall to let it dry out before we have a plumber come out. We found a Dave & Buster's gift card that uh, Brian awarded to me in 2013. Whenever I lost miserably at a magic tournament, I think he felt really bad for me. <laughs> and he did. so uh, he gave he said that I won the tournament and I got the ten dollar Dave and Buster's gift card. And it says two thousand eight on the back, so I don't know how long Brian had it before then, but I'm hoping it's still good. We need to cash this in whenever the world opens back up. So well, Brian, just to let you know. It might have been one of those things where they like produce these. They produced a whole bulk of these and sold them starting in two thousand eight and they've never changed the design. That's probably a possibility. Either way, 10 bucks. Still hilarious. Free play, eight years ago, silver lining to water coming out of our floor. The other silver lining is the copper pipe that burst was going to burst sooner or later, and thank goodness we were right there. 
We were right there, uh, and Delton was able to fix it. And we're going to yep. have a plumber come take a look to make sure there's not a lot of damage that we can't fix on our own. And, yeah, this is like the, the fourth time we've had pipe problems in the last six months. But, by God, we fixed them. We're just grateful that we've been home, we could afford yes. it, and we've got it fixed. Thank goodness. What else has been going on this week, Delton? I feel like we've lived an entire two weeks today. We really have. I don't feel like a lot has gone on this week outside of that. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, it feels like t- today was so crazy. I feel like today was longer than the last two weeks combined. I agree. Like this past week especially went by so quickly. Now we were out of internet until I think the day after the podcast released last time. Yep. And then the whole next week, we just basked in the glory of internet and, and streamed as many shows as we could whenever we got off of work. Ooh, I got my first vaccine. Delton got his first vaccine. That's something that happened. I was able to sneak in at the end of phase two just before phase three opens, I think, next week. Yes. So I, I got in like a week early just because I have high blood pressure and I do take blood pressure medicine, which technically now with their, and I'm actually overweight, which now with their newer guidelines uh, was able to let me get in a little early. Yes, so Delton has had it. His brother and sister-in-law have had the shot. I've my had brother the shot. had his second, and my mom got her second, both of which got sick. And my mom had her first one today, and so far is good. Good. And so, yeah, we're vaccinated and motivated. I think so, which is a nice place to be. Can you believe, though, that this week marks one year since everything shut down? I really can't. It's been crazy to think that basically, I guess it was, is it just a little, it's a little, like another week. So March 11th was the day of the infamous Thunder game that Ah. whenever, uh, oh, I forget his name, who. That stupid guy that like licked all the microphones or something. Well, he touched all the microphones. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, But that was basically the unofficial start of all of the shutdowns. It was like the last normal day. And that was the night we were packing for Montreal. And so the next morning we left for Canada and we made it back. Uh, I remember sitting in the airport in Montreal as Justin Trudeau was announcing the closing of the borders within 72 hours. 48 hours. It was either 48 or 72, but it was like, oh, we're leaving to go home just in time. Just in time. So that was so wild to think that was a year ago this week. It really was. And something that I keep thinking of that caught me off guard is when we left, Oklahoma had like 200 cases. What? No, it had no no cases. Did we not have any? No. Okay, we didn't have any cases. Montreal had like two or three. Yeah. And that was not even in uh, Montreal. It was, it was in Quebec as a province. Quebec. 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 Uh, good fishing in Quebec. Uh, anyway. Uh, great fishing in Quebec. They had like two or three cases total. And so it wasn't a big deal. We were like, well, we'll just, I mean, we got on the plane. We cleaned our seats with Clorox wipes. But it really wasn't a thing yet. You know? It wasn't. Like, like people were worried. But what I was going to get to was they were already in Montreal taking it way more seriously than here because midway through, tables were starting to be separated. No one was taking cash anymore. Yeah. It really made a switch. The first day we got there, I mean, there were no regulations. Mm -hmm. Second day, the same thing. We went out and got drinks. It was the day after our anniversary, which would have been the 14th. We got up and got breakfast, and suddenly everything was changed. Half the restaurants were closed. Yep. Tables were that we had eaten at two days before, like a restaurant we had eaten at two days before, was now implementing a six-foot apart, only sitting every other table, not taking cash. It was overnight. And the day that we left, three days later, so, okay, it was on Tuesday that we flew out. Friday, the borders closed and everything shut down. 
And that's whenever Canadians started getting $2,000 a month and are still getting $2,000 a month each. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. We should have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> we could have got stuck for a while. Yeah, that's fine. Of course, without citizenship, that would have been a fun one. Uh, we could make some work. It would have been fine. But yes, fine. that was a year ago, t- like, coming up here in a few days. In five days. Wild. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else we've been doing lately, aside from me making a movie list of scary movies that you won't watch with me? Makes me anxious. So Delton said something, and... He said, like, the reason why he likes scary movies is because it kind of gives him a little bit of anxiety. Like, there's that excitement. And for me, I was like, well, I have anxiety. This is my state of being. I want to break when I watch movies. Yeah, it was basically, I was saying that horror movies, if they're good, have, they're one of the few movie genres, basically the only movie genre to me, that can truly bring that sense of suspense, that anxiety, that, like, cautious look where you want to hide your face they they they, they're one of the few types of movies that can do that so i like them for that that aspect i think that if they're done really well and have a good story and have good acting and are a genuinely good movie there's something else on top of it that you can't do in a in any other style of movie and for Haley, that's a little too much but that's okay because that's my everyday life i get it all around me are familiar faces and some beer cans. Speaking of beer cans, which one do you want to start with this episode? Orange! Okay. It reminds me of another travel story. I... The orange. Oh, the orange. So whenever... I don't remember if we've told this, but go ahead. Oh, man. So whenever we went to Rhode Island, which ended up being our engagement trip, it was my graduation trip turned engagement trip. So there is always this joke that I said all the time as a kid, and I thought it was the funniest thing whenever I grew up. I was like, that joke actually doesn't make any sense to me at all. And it's, Delton, knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Hey. And so, like, as a kid, I just loved that joke, and I said it all the time, but as I grew up, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Well, we go to Rhode Island, and we're about to take a cab to our hotel, and we go up to the, I don't know, concierge, whatever, at the airport. Those are not even. I need some more beer in there. <laughs> go ahead. Continue. Uh, and the guy says, so he has this thick Rhode Island accent, of course, and he says, go stand over by the orange cone. And he said like, the orange bucket. The orange bucket. That's right. And, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just hits me, and I realized aren't you glad I didn't say banana? It just makes sense. That's what makes it fit. I remember, like, I even stood there in silence for a second, and Delton's like, come on, he's already leaving. And, like, I had this epiphany, like I've never had an epiphany before. And it was because the random concierge at the airport said orange, and it made sense. So now I know that joke actually did make sense whenever I was a kid. I just wasn't saying it right. It made sense in the Northeast. It did, not in Oklahoma. Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Would you like an orange? Today in an orange can, our first beer of the episode is the Big Sky IPA from Big Sky Brewing Co. out of Montana. It says, hold my beer and watch this. And it has a cow skull with the same 3777. Remember that from the Space Goat beer? Ah, interesting. So this is an IPA, India Pale Ale. Alcohol by volume is 6.2%. What's that on the front? A deer? It's like an antelope thing. Oh. Should say, hold my beer and pet this deer. That's really bad. But I could see how, so there's a cow skull on it. 
It says, hold my beer and watch this steer. I guess you could do that, yeah. I'm just... I'm so just the beer has a nice golden, a little bit more amber color to it. It's pretty hazy. Can't really see through it. It's like a really orange amber. Yes. Like a honey. But like the rich, fancy honey. Not like our bear honey that costs three forty nine. That's true. Has a very, very light smell. It's really hard to pick up on many notes. Very subdued. It smells like lavender. Well, the taste is very floral and gentle. It's a very fresh. Mm-hmm. Very, very mm-hmm. fresh. Kind of has the aftertaste of lavender, too. Is that what that is a little mm-hmm. bit? It's really clean in the front, but you get carbonation immediately. It's nice and carbonated, but not overly so. It's a very lavender aftertaste. Hmm. It's really interesting, but it's very gentle. This is a nice, refreshing IPA. Not too heavy. Mm. Hmm. That's Delicious. a good IPA, yeah. That's pretty good. So that is Big Sky IPA from Big Sky Brewing Co. Well, and since so- we've had... Oh, go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. Oh, I was just going to lead us into the transition there, providing a summary. Go for it. Let's see it. Let's hear it now. You're on the spot now. I'm not going to edit this out. We're going to keep this in. Okay. So, being that we are a whole one year into the quarantine, we've realized that we've had to make a lot of adjustments in our lives, which means we've had to make a lot of adjustments in our games. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, It's a game. Sounds like a topic transition more than a game transition, but we're going to the game anyway. Today, the game of the episode is Bonanza. And to bean or not to bean? Fight me. So Bonanza is a board game by Uva Rosenberg with graphics by Bjorn Pertoft. And that's the only two things on this box or rulebook that give credits. Isn't this the game that Uwe Rosenberg made as part of his doctoral dissertation in mathematics? I believe so. Doctoral or his master's. Something to do with that. It's published by Rio Grande, at least the edition we have. Um, I believe it was something he designed in college as part of one of his degrees or his degree or something like that. Uh, I guess I could Google this for Wikipedia, but how trustworthy is Wikipedia anyway? Probably more trustworthy than my memory, at least. I'm probably just making shit up at this point. Yeah, that's what we do in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Bonanza, uh, we have a version that is generally three to six players, but this one actually can go to seven And it has a two-player variant inside. So two to seven for this box. I don't know how they package it now. I don't know everything at the moment, but I do know that the two-player version that we play in this has its own name called Bonanza the Duel, and they do sell that on its own as a standalone. So Bonanza is all about planting and selling beans. So Bon in German is bean, B-O-H-N. So Bonanza is... Basically, being crazed is how you can probably look at it. Well, uh, so there's a show called Bonanza yeah. that uh, was in the 1960s. And it was an Old West show. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the art and graphic design on the box, all the beans are in, like, country gear. Except for, randomly, the soybean. He's dressed like a hippie. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's, like, the fighting boxer guy and all that. Yeah. For the black-eyed bean. Yeah. But, yes, it's a game about planting and selling beans. Essentially, you're going to have a hand of cards. You cannot reorganize those cards at all. And on your turn, you will plant one or two of those cards. You can discard if you want. And then now I'm going to say we've only played this two player. We have never played this with more than two. When you go more than two, when you go three to seven, 
or three to six, depending on you know which box you get, there is active trading in the game where you are trading different bean cards with other players. In the two-player game, it's a tableau-style system where you basically pull some cards from the deck and then you can choose to take them or not, and then the next player on their turn can pick up the remnants if they want. So it's a different system there, but basically in the two-player version, you'll plant a car, uh, one or two beans from your hand. It must be the frontmost beans, the fully revealed card, since you can't organize your hand. You can plant one or two. You can discard any card in your hand. Reveal free, three from the deck. Pick as many of those as you want to plant, and then you draw two, and the other player goes. Then they can choose to take from the cards that you left, if you left any, and they repeat the same process and you go throughout the game. One of the things, and I think my favorite thing about Bonanza, is it really makes you make decisions because you can't organize your hand, and I believe you have to at least plant one card. I love the fact that you can't mess with your hand. That's such yes. an interesting thing. Like No other game that I know of has done that. I really like it because you have to think ahead. It, is, it puts a little bit of spice in this game. I think if you had the ability to rearrange your hand or pick randomly, I think it would make the game too easy. I but agree. how it's set up right now, it's a very simple game to explain, a game to play, but not being able to rearrange your hand adds so much more complexity, but in an easy way. Definitely so. One of the other things I like is the cards are technically multifunction without actually being multifunction. The, yes. the back has a gold coin. It's just the back of the cards. And whenever you sell beans for money, you just flip however many over face down and you put them in your stack and they represent coin. Technically, that back could be literally anything, but being a gold coin like kind of gives me this little sense. It's like, oh, they kind of did a multi-use thing here when it's not really, but I still enjoy that yeah. a lot. And it also, it's one of those games that the, the box is the adequate size for the components inside. It really is, yes. This one is like a weird tall and skinny one, so you have to split the deck around. Of course, I have sleeves on it, so it would be it could be smaller if you didn't have sleeves on the cards. It's also bright yellow, too, which I'm a fan of. Of course. This was actually, I think, the first game that we played at Edmund Unplugged. Was it? Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember what it was there. Yeah, it was our, our first night there, and we wanted to learn something new, and I, I spotted that one. And we thought it'd be a, a quick and easy one to learn, and we fell in love with it. We bought it the next day. We ordered it. I thought we, I thought we bought it from Game HQ, or did we order it? We I ordered it. I couldn't remember. Yeah, we ordered it. Because oh. I was like, I love this game. And you're like, we can go back and play it. I said, no. It's a fun one I because, like Haley said, you have to think ahead whenever you can't organize your hand. But uh, part of the things that I like is when you plant cards, you know, and you can discard to, like, get rid of something from your hand you don't want. Then you reveal those three from the top of the deck. Those are going to be cards you can take. So you can take risks, you can take chances, and sometimes you just get lucky. Now, one of the small rules that I really enjoy is when you take those three from the top, you then look at the top discard pile, or the top card of the discard pile. If it matches one of those three from the deck, you actually get to place it on top of them, and you can do that as much as they match. So, like, if you draw a, a two blue beans and a green bean, and the top of the discard pile is a green bean, you put it on top of the other green bean. If it's then a blue bean, you put that on top of the blue bean. Then, if it's a stink bean, it just stays on the discard pile. So, you can actually take chances and have runs where, you know, you sell something real big, 
it, it, the beginning of your turn, planting, you know, to do plant something else, flip stuff from the top, and then suddenly get all of those back because of that. And it's like a fun little chain that you can get, but it's super luck based. Yes. But when it hits, it feels awesome because you're like, oh my god, look, I sold this for two coins, and then I just got this, having an extra one, which gave me enough for three coins. But because all Uwe Rosenberg games basically have math involved, it, it tells you on top of the card how many of those types of cards are in the deck. And so you've got to take that into consideration. You can count cards as you're making that gamble. You know, if you haven't seen a whole lot of green beans and you're really betting on a green bean to come out in those three, you know, maybe your chances are higher. But if you can keep those numbers in your working memory, then you can probably gamble pretty well. And I lucked out a couple of times. You really could since every bean has a different amount. Like... I think that the red bean is eight, the black-eyed bean was 10, the soybean's 12, green bean's 14, stuff like that. Uh, One thing that I enjoy is when you sell, like if you have, uh, let's say the spicy bean, the chili bean, which I think is 18 or 16? Yes, 18. I think it's 18. Because you need nine for four coins. There you go. If you, uh, most of them for their maximum of four coins, you have to have half of that number. So that's pretty interesting. But if you have, let's say the chili bean, and you sell it, let's say you get half, you get nine of them, and you sell it for four coins, you actually are flipping four of those chili beans over and putting them in your sales pile, which means if somebody did happen to hit on their next turn or something a chili bean to get those from the discard, there's four less because you turned them into coins. So you kind of have to consider that too when you're looking at, okay, how many are left, this and that, you know, can I get this off the discard pile? I, I find myself looking at that. But the game is a simple one. Like Haley said, it's fun. I enjoy the decisions in it. They're not complicated. I mean, for us to play a full game, the box is 45 minutes. And I'm sure if you had four or five people and you were doing trades, it would take that. But we did a full uh, two-player game in, I think it was 21. Yeah. We're usually coming around 20, 25 minutes. And we accidentally only used half the deck for the first game. So it only took nine minutes. No, the first was like 15. Oh. Because it was our first time to play in a while. That's right. Because we've played this game several times. It's one of my favorite games, which I've said this before. Uwe Rosenberg is my favorite designer. I love everything he makes. He just does well. I've noticed that a lot of the designers that we really enjoy uh, have degrees in some sort of mathematics. Mm -hmm. Well, I really like his because it's spatial reasoning. It's it's math. It's having to. A lot of his are, are planning ahead, just like with Patchwork. It's a very simple game, but you have to plan ahead. And you have to use your spatial reasoning skills. And it's so much fun. Well, something I like about Bonanza is you have to play ahead or plan ahead. However, not very far because this game fluxes constantly. I find that one of my, the times I've done better, which I do have the top score of 24 and you have a very close 21 coming up under it. And something I find that helped me with my better scores have been not holding out. Mm -hmm. If I've got enough to get two or three coins from something, just sell it put something else there in hopes that I get more cards and try not to be too conservative with what I'm selling. That's a good point because the things like the kidney beans, there's only eight of those in the deck. Yeah. And so if you get two, you get a coin, three coin, four coin, five coin. But uh, if you hold out for five, you might be waiting the entire hand. Yeah, the entire game could go by. Yeah. I mean, really, and it's it's one of those things where if you can just go ahead and get a coin out of it, get a coin out of it, move on, put something there that will actually get you something faster. Crop rotation is healthy. That's basically it. And it's it's tough to make those decisions on the fly, but uh, luckily in this game, it's it's simple. I don't know. This game is one of those that it's not too complicated at two players. It's not overly complex. It's not too thinky. 
but it kind of hits everything on the head a little bit. And you know that like that meme of the guy putting the domino down and it's like uh, progressively larger dominoes or slabs until it falls down. It's like normally something really obscure yeah. to some major event. Uh, Henry Wallace being appointed to FDR's cabinet in the 1930s led us to Bonanza. I don't know what that means. Henry Wallace was the uh, department, he was head of Department of Agriculture. And basically when we had the Dust Bowl, he was this sciencey planting man. And he's like, you know what? What we can do is we can do things like crop rotation and plant trees so the all the dust doesn't blow away. If we have trees, then around the barrier of your farm, then all the dust won't blow away and you can actually not have a dust bowl anymore. And they're like, oh, okay. So he like popularized and like uh, basically uh, wrote things for the federal government to encourage farmers to do crop rotation. So if we didn't have Henry Wallace in the 1930s, we wouldn't have Bonanza. I feel like that's a bit far-fetched, but I'll take it. Crop rotation. <laughs> I'll take it. But yeah, so that's, uh, I think that's pretty much all on Bonanza. It's a fun game. I really, really like the two-player. Again, have never played more than that, but we've played it probably, you know, let's see. I don't remember the first time we played this. I don't know if I was tracking it on my app, the Board Game Stats app, but I'm going to look and see. Uh, I think I was. We have played it 10 times now with one ignored play, which was our half game. Right. Uh, the top score is me at 24. And the lowest score is you at 10. The lowest winning score is you at 14. So there you go. Yeah, we've played it 10 times. First play was January 24th of 2018. And sure enough, it was Edmund Unplugged. That's funny. I love that I have all this information. It's so fun to look back and see. Board Game Stats app. It is. But it's a very fun game. I really recommend it. If it sounds like something you would like two-player, I've heard good things about the multiplayer. I've just never done it. But you can find the two-player version by itself in Bonanza The Duel, a standalone game. But I happened to buy the version that has it as a variant in the rulebook, as well as some extra cards that makes it where you can play seven, not just six, which I guess was the original count. But you know, since we've had so many adjustments over the last year due to COVID and sheltering in place, we thought we should talk about making adjustments in games. I feel like I've heard this before. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. See, it does fit with the topic of the episode and introducing the game. Versatile. I don't don't know about the game, but definitely a topic. Hey, recycle, reduce, reuse. There you go. Crop rotation. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like it's that much of a stretch, but... Eh, we'll see. Anyway, the topic for today's episode... We decided, or Haley decided, on two-player variant being our topic. Because I know in the past we have spoken on scaling of games, I believe in our Viticulture episode, not sure the number of that at the moment. But two-player variants are different than scaling. and Because they, they kind of change the game, whereas scaling yes. uh, you know, increases the number of tokens or rounds based on the number of players. Two-player variants can change the game, just like in Bonanza. Yeah, in Bonanza, two-player variant actually like completely voids itself of the trading aspect. There is no active trading in this game for you to be able to play two players. And I think something there's... I feel like there's a lot to be said about two-player variants, but from a non-designer standpoint, just as a consumer, board game enthusiast, whatever you want to say, 
uh, two-player variants are either good or bad. And that has been the official discussion, and that has been how I felt. There's so many games I've heard are not good at two, and sometimes that's not because the variant. Sometimes that's because there is no variant. Mm. And I feel like it's probably a struggle because some games are just okay at two. There's not enough interaction, or there's too much interaction for just two. There's not enough cards. There's too many cards. There's all kinds of things that can happen. But whenever they make an official actual variant for a game that's not built for two, I feel like even though it can be bad, they tend to focus more on making it a great experience for two. And I think that that's a good thing. Yes. Because and you see different types of variants for different games. So like Bonanza, like Dalton said, takes away the trading aspect. Sushi Go, on the other hand, makes basically a dummy player. It does. And dummy players are one of those things that people either love or hate. In Sushi Go, I think dummy players are just fine. I have not, though, even though I have the expansion in Power Grid, there's actually an expansion called like the Robots that I own that is essentially a dummy player for you to be able to play with two. Ah. And I've just never busted that out before because we haven't played Power Grid in ages. And then another uh, game that basically has a two-player variant is Wavelength. Like Wavelength, if you play it with teams, it's a competitive game. But like code names, if you play Wavelength two-player, it becomes a, a cooperative game. Yes, exactly. And then, like you said, the same with code names, where it becomes a cooperative experience if you do it. And I, it's one of those things, I think there's something to be said, and this is an argument that could probably easily be made, where a two-player variant and changing the rules, you could say that a game that scales well in the rules is kind of a variant on the base game. But I guess it depends on how much it changes with every single player count, not just two. Um, so there's, I mean, there's arguments to be made with that, but I do think variants are kind of an essential thing because so many games are very good and they're ones we want to play, but we're like, man, you know, I'd love to play that with two people. And that's how we felt with Puerto Rico. Right. We had to go online and the designer, uh, Andreas Safarth, I could not remember his last name. Uh, he had somewhere on Board Game Geek, I think you can find an official two player variant rule set. Mm-hmm that allows you to just play with two, and it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it is on Board Game um, Geek. We did not have an issue with that, and I we've used that several times to play Puerto Rico. Yeah, we've played that a ton, just two-player. I think we've actually only played it three, uh, four-player once, maybe? I think we've played it three a time, and I think we've played it four a time. Maybe three-player twice. But we've played it two-player at least twice. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it was like, yes, you have to change around some rules. Now, given I don't remember what that is exactly. And this is one of those topics that's sort of hard to talk about because I'm lacking specific examples for the sheer fact that we don't buy games based on them having a two-player variant. We buy games that are built for two players or also include two in their range. Yeah, we rarely ever buy a three-player. I mean, that's that's really a big turnoff for us if it says minimum three players because, I mean, Dalton and I generally just play with each other, especially over the last year. Especially the last year. And, like, we get to play games with Brian and Allison and, I mean, you know, a lot of other people. But generally when that happens, the games that start at three player, a lot of times people are like, oh, it's better with four or five. It's never, this game's best at its lowest player count. Now, sometimes it's the same experience, which is not a bad thing, but we don't buy games like that often. So it's hard for me to point out specific games with specific variants. And obviously, as usual, I don't do Google research before (laughs) before we record the podcast. But 
uh, I do like variants because they do change the game up. And I guess one of the problems with that is if someone said, hey, let's play Bonanza, we've got a group of, of five. I could sit down two player and play it right now. I could not sit down with that and play it because it changes the game so much. Well, the thing is, it kind of makes it two different games, too. It really, I mean, that's why they package two the duel one. by itself now. Yeah. And it makes it difficult, though, because it's like I know how to play Bonanza, but I don't know how to play Bonanza. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a whole totally different game. I couldn't sit down and teach a table right now of more than two people. And it's like, is that good or bad? Right. It's kind of, you know, at what point do you say, we're just not going to support two player? It's kind of like, it's a big thing right now, and I've noticed it a lot with Kickstarters, but solo play. Mm-hmm. Solo play has been booming, and so many people are dying for solo variants. And I get it, especially right now in COVID times. Yeah, because if... I mean, we, we have two people. If yeah. I don't feel like playing board games one night, and you really do, mm-hmm. then having a solo variant is what you can do. And a lot of games, I don't say a lot of games, a lot of games you could play by yourself, just two-player, set it up and go. But so many games have developed solo variants and are focusing on putting solo variants in. And I find that to be kind of wild, especially when most of the solo variants have to change the game in a way to make it function with just one, which means it's almost a completely different game. And sometimes I feel like, not necessarily that they shouldn't do it, but I feel like they put so much more effort into making sure to include a one player that they could put that into the full game, modify the rules where it could play with one to their max mm. and be a one game rather than a game and a game with a variation where everything is changed for just a single player. But so, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. What you're saying. So yeah. Basically. Um, you wish that more games would just scale to one player rather than have variants for it because it changes the game. I think so. I, I, yeah. I only say that because I feel like if they did that, more effort would go into the making the game and the scaling better rather than focusing on almost two separate games. Yeah. So it could be an improved product overall is my thought. See, I'm on the opposite side for me. I, I I like having the the so I understand what you're saying, like having it, it scale down the one player, scale down the two player. But I, I kind of like it being different whenever there's for one player or for two player. Not that I want every game to be this way, but like with Bonanza, I feel like I got two games in one. Like I know that it's built for three to seven players and like the trading part is is important to the base game technically. But with these two player variants, either in the rules or like with Puerto Rico being posted online. I feel like I have two different games. I'm buying two games in in one, which I really enjoy. I mean, I guess that's true. The question is, how often do you utilize that? Right. You know what I mean? We bought two games in one with this Bonanza copy, but we've out of our ten ten and well, ten and a half plays, we've never once broken two players. So we right. could have bought Bonanza the Duel and been just fine. But on the flip side, if I can buy one box and have both of those itches scratched then why not? I guess that just comes down to how good is the variant. And the thing is, like, I don't want every single game to have a variant for one player. I don't want every single game to have a variant for two players. But I don't, I don't mind it whenever there's a variant. Uh, I, I do, like, some games are designed to be three players and up. And that is just fine. And there is no two-player variant that's going to be great. Or there's no one-player variant that's going to work. Like, you think of anything, I'm thinking, like, Sheriff Nottingham. There's no way in hell. I was thinking like werewolf. Or werewolf. There's no way in hell that, you know, a, a two player or one player variant would work for that. Yeah. 
But, you know, on those games, whether it is a, um, you know, feedback after it's published or if it's a fan-made variant, like having those extra two-player variants that, you know, help us to adapt the game, I mean, why not use them? They're not canon to the rules all the time, but I, I think that they're fun. And I think that a lot of games can be made that way. And you get, like I said, you get two games in one. I see that. And I think that's that's good. It just depends on how good the variant is. I think we have very different interpretations of rules, though, because you're very much a rule stickler. Yes. Like you are, it's not in the rules, therefore it doesn't exist. Uh, yes. If you're playing a game and you're like, well, I can't find anything that says I can do this, that probably means you can't. And for me, like, I don't mind bending the rules. Like if, if a family, if five different families have five different rules for Monopoly, or for Uno, or whatever. Like, it doesn't bother me. You just tell me what the house rules are, and we're just going to go with it. I'm, I'm a big house rule person. I'm a big, like, I don't really care what your interpretation of the rules is. Just let me know what it is. And so for me, like, having these differences, whether or these uh, different games in one box, whether it is made uh, upon publication, or, again, like in Puerto Rico, where the designer puts up on Board Game Geek, or if it's a fan-made variant. Like, for me, I was like, ah, oh, cool, another way to play with the exact same cards that I have. Yeah, I can see that. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with either either one of our outlooks. No, and it's not that I don't appreciate two-player variants, obviously, because that's mainly how we play. It's just one of those things where sometimes I just wish they would take more time on the game to make it scale well and work. But at the same time, I have to recognize not all game styles are going to lend themselves to that. And sometimes one game just pushes itself just enough to not like Bonanza trading doesn't work with two people. They found a fix for it and it's fun and I like it a lot. So I can't really argue with it. I obviously play two player variants. I'm always going to try two player variants, but it's just an interesting concept. It is. I think this was a good discussion too. I think it was. And it warrants another beer. It does warrant another beer. We're having dueling IPAs tonight, as Delton said. And they are both from Big Sky Brewing. This is Shake-A-Day IPA with the higher alcohol by volume, 7.5%. <gasps> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. No drum rugs were harmed in the making of this podcast. You would think, after already having a pipe burst today, (laughs) that the beer wouldn't try to explode in my hand as I opened it, soaking my pants, my underwear, (laughs) and then covering the floor in all the beer we're supposed to drink, or at least a lot. This is going to be a very humid room. We're going to have the fans going to wick up that water from the pipe that bursts in the wall. We might have to find a way to keep the moisture out, because not only are my drums in here, but then the board games and everything, I don't want anything to get... which. It's not enough water to truly affect the moisture content in the air right. any more than nature. Man, we lost a lot of beer. Rip. Oh, God, we lost a lot of beer. Double rip. Uh, we probably lost a quarter of that beer. No, we lost way more than that. Those, even, those aren't even like, I don't know. No, that that's a pretty good amount. Like That's like half the beer, if not mm. three-fourths. It's probably two-thirds. There you go. How about uh, that? Okay. We lost a I'll, third. I'll give you that. Yeah, and it stinks because my hands are sticky. In the arms of the angles. Damn it. Far away. Anyway, this is the Shake-A-Day IPA from Big Sky. <laughs> That's why it is a Shake-A-Day. I guess. 
Maybe is this why that they were in the discount bin? Maybe so. Overcarbonated. God bless America. I have to clean my chair and change my underwear. <laughs> this one is a lighter amber color, still hazy. It seems a lot more hazy or cloudy than the last one. It does. It's got a little bit of citrus in the smell there, like orange, mm-hmm. like a like a smooth. It's like citrus. mandarin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a mandarin orange, where it's not as like bing. It's more like e. Oh, different flavor there. Got a lot more malt to it. Wow. It does not taste carbonated. All the carbonation came out when you opened the pop tab. It did. I'm not sure that I'm very fond of this one. Mm-mm. It's fine. It's got a lot more malt character. Which is strange for an IPA. It is flat. I mean, all the carbonation just exploded out. All of it. And now it's gone. There's just no carbonation left. It is very flat. Maybe this one would be better fresh and not all over our game room floor. Maybe so. There's something. What They, they used a very earthy hop. So there's like a, a decent amount of malt flavor in there. And then a very earthy hop. And there's not as much in the IPA to cut through that and bring itself forward. So it feels like it's trying to approach like, you know, the realm of like a strong ale or it's, something. It's very back heavy. Like you, you yes. take a, a sip and it tastes light, but by the time it reaches the back of your tongue, it just feels very heavy. Yeah, this one's okay. Not, like a, it, not a big fan. It's, a, it's an isosceles triangle. It is. I really like their other IPA. Yes. With the deer. That one was not light, light was and called? refreshing. Just their IPA. Ah, okay. And this is Shake-A-Day, which, like, like we said, it exploded. We lost all the carbonation. Maybe that would make a big difference. It's fine. It's not my favorite. I would prefer their other one. So I guess in this IPA shootout, go with their standard orange canned IPA. Because Shake-A-Day tastes like a nice Osley's triangle. I guess so. With that, let's move to the question. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special bite-sized question. Ooh, I'm excited for the question. This is a good question. Haley, I want you to answer it first since you came up with it. Should I ask it first? No, I'm going to ask it so you can answer it. (laughs) Okay. If you could go back one year from today, what would you tell yourself in 2020 before pandemic times? So I know this has become a meme and a lot of people have been talking about it on the internet, but for me, it is totally true. It is don't put effort into that god dang planner. So last January, I bought this beautiful planner. And the thing is, like, I was doing so good for the first two and a half months of the year. I had my to-do list. I was marking things off. I had, there's like a little goal section. I had goals I was like coloring in. I had like travel trips for the year. I had financial goals for the year. I had experience goals. I was going to take these classes. I filled out my weekly planner beautifully. I had all these great due dates. It was wonderful. And I kept up with it every single day. And I had pretty pins of like green and purple that I used in it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep up with this planner. And I did. I created a great habit. And then the world fell. We got back from Canada. And all that effort I put into, all those dates that I put in, all these plans with friends and trips that I penciled in, gone. And for some reason, like working from home, using the paper planner wasn't as fun. And so I fell out of the habit within like 12 hours of being back on the clock working from home. So words of wisdom past Haley. Don't try to make the, ha- the, the planner your New Year's resolution. Do something else cool like 
I don't know, learning how to watercolor or buying Play-Doh or something. Something more useful than a planner for 2020. Definitely. What about you, Delty Poo? Don't worry about saving up vacation time at work. (laughs) Because you're not going to need it. Those board game conventions? No, they're canceled. Don't worry about it. Just use them when you want to. You're not going to need it. I know you were so worried about using vacation days for Montreal because we took a six-day trip. Yeah. And then, I mean, we did that. And then when we went and stayed at Branson in the cabin with your parents, I had to use some. And I was like, but I might need it in the fall or whatever. And it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that things calm down so much that BGG Con Fall in November can happen. God, that would be amazing. I don't know how I would feel about it yet. It's going to depend on just the state of things at that time. But by golly, if it gets to November and they're like, hey, we're doing it. The numbers have tanked. There's nothing. Everyone's vaccinated. We're in a good place. You just have to wear a mask. I'd be like, freaking dope. Let's do it. Dude, the con crowd will be cut down by so much. Oh, you know it. I would I would love it, but that's because I miss I miss it. I miss 2019's BGG Con. That w- that was the, the last con before all this. That was the best con I've ever gone to as well. We just had so many friends there. I mean, that's constantly all we did was hang out with people we knew and had fun and met people and played games. Including some Patreon backers. Hey, that's a good one. Yeah, including some Patreon backers. So thank you to all of our Patreon patrons who back at a level in which you get shouted out on the podcast and all the other levels. Thank you guys too and gals and everyone. But the people who back or support us at the level for the podcast are Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Thank you all so much for supporting us and allowing us to do more and more and more and more with the podcast stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you want to be like them and be awesome people, you can always check us out, patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. If you want to go and see everything we do, at least a little bit of it, I get not a little bit, all of our stuff in a way, go to malthousegames.com. We have our website up and running, and I update it with the newest podcast episodes. We haven't done a video in quite a while, so that main video on the main page is just our last review. I need to do another quarantasting extravaganza. We need to do something, and we need to do uh blogs i have not written anything uh, there yet i forgot that was my homework like two podcasts ago it's Whoops. okay it's not a big deal life has been wonky and with as many pipes as we've had bursting it's fine oh i forgot to mention i'm back on my bullshit you are back on your bullshit i tried yet again for the first time this season to order a god dang kitty pool ladies and gentlemen it is expected to arrive at the Ace Hardware store in Edmond, America on March 11th this Thursday. Stay tuned. Maybe I will actually get my goddamn kiddie pool for once in my lifetime since I'm actually ordering it early in the season. And this one's great. This is not your run-of-the-mill, like, 3.5-foot wide, 8-inch uh, tall kiddie pool. No. This one, one, it has elephants on it. Two, it is five foot long or wide in diameter. And three, it is 12 inches tall, which is more than enough to sustain my floating wine glasses I got from Aldi last year when I tried to order my kiddie pool eight times last season. Stay tuned. I'm going to get a kiddie pool. It's going to be great. 
Just in time for spring break that I don't get because I left college four years ago. But by God, I'm going to enjoy this kiddie pool this spring and summer. Well, there you go. The white whale. I will find you, kiddie pool. <laughs> that is your white whale. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry I interrupted you. We need to finish up. Find Delty on Twitters. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and all social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. Have not been posting in a while because we have not been playing lots of games. So it's been weird. I don't want to just post real life all the time, but there haven't been enough games to post all the time. I need to like, we need to have a game day and then just take a tons of photos and then spread those out. Something. But you can still find us on there and find us posting random things. Speaking of random things on social media, make sure to go to kickstarter.com and go look for I'm Sure by Logan Jenkins. This is its last week, so we're within a week from its final finishing point. Uh, I believe he's almost broke $1,000. Woo! Good for him. Or maybe it's more than that. It's uh, He met his goal, though, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, hold on. I'm, you know what? I'm going to pull this up. Because I'm so bad at having these things like ready to go. We want Wikipedia, but by God, you'll get on Kickstarter. I will get on Kickstarter. Here we go. I found it. So by the time this releases, there will be like four more days. The original amount he needed was $500, and they're almost at 10000 Oh, my gosh. Good for him. It's done really well. So if you want in on it. Uh, you can go hop in, support them with a dollar, get a PDF for five, or get a physical print for 10 plus shipping. Uh, yeah, so go check that out. That's I'm sure you are wondering why I gathered you all here this evening. I believe that's the full working title by Logan Jenkins on Kickstarter. And you play tested it, right? I did get to play it before, like a couple weeks before he launched it. And? I liked it. We talked about that last time. I enjoyed it. It's very fun. I think it's going to be a good mixture for people that like board games and people that like role playing games. It's a combo that you could spend two to three, maybe four hours total uh, playing for an evening and have a good time. So yeah, check that out. But yes, speaking of social media, you can find stuff on that. You can also find me at Delton Brack, and you can find Haley at... S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. Now, is there anything I'm forgetting here? Because this feels all over the place to me. It is wonky donk. Sorry, I had to bring up my, my pool. That's okay, and I wanted to make sure to plug Logan's Kickstarter before it finished. The listeners need to know both. I know. These are vital information for your everyday life. Definitely. Well, I guess that's going to cover it then. Thank you again for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games podcast, episode number 87. Turn on, tune in, and drop out. Yes, acid trips. That's what it's about. Timothy Leary. There you go. I think that that's going to cover it. I feel like I'm forgetting something, which happens almost every episode. That's okay. Uh, You're forgetting that I'm hungry. Uh, okay, let's go get It's 9.46 p.m. <laughs> let's go eat some food. Thanks again for tuning in and listening. We will see you folks later. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.